0: Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationBoise.com. All right, welcome back to the show. You know, we've failed to mention on the last two programs that we actually do have a conference coming up. It is Boise Reformation Conference. Uh, it's called "Be Thou My Vision." The theme is worship, and real quick, uh, worship is pretty important in the Bible. Um, people who have, you know, a couple one one story in the Old Testament, Nadab and Abihu, they decide that they're going to worship God, you know, how they want to, and fire comes out from um, the altar and burns them, or from heaven, or sp- I, I can't remember, spontaneously erupts, but but they die. And God tells uh, Aaron, the father, he says, look, uh, those who approach me, I will be treated as holy. I will be holy before the people of Israel. So worship is not something that should be considered haphazardly or without careful thought. Worship is something that God desires above all other things because he is a glorious God. And this is the reason that we were made. The chief end of man is to glorify Mm -hmm. God and to enjoy him forever. So having said that.
1: We're looking forward to having Dr. Robert Godfrey yes. and Dr. Terry Johnson uh, speak to this these uh, themes, and it's and we're going to consider it in a broad way. It's yep. not we're not just simply talking about what you do on Sunday morning, but right. uh, again, just like we say, the gospel is for all of life. Yeah. Worship is for all of life. Yeah. Um, okay. So. Uh, we'll be addressing it in that way. Right.
0: September 17th and 18th at uh, Valley Shepherd Church on Meridian Road. September 17th and 18th. You can go to com and register there. We're really looking forward to it. Okay, so we've been talking about the sovereignty of God the last couple of days.
1: Yesterday, we defined our terms. Do you still have that definition in front of you? Well, I can give you one, uh, maybe not the same one that we gave the other day, but you know, it's simply that the Bible teaches that God has supreme authority over heaven and earth, and he created the universe, and he owns the universe, governs the universe, and there's nothing that takes place in the world that he doesn't ordain to come to pass. And so there's no one that can frustrate, change, or limit, or defeat any purpose of God, which is just a reminder of a summary of what we learn out of God's word. That's right. He's in control. That's right. Mm -hmm.
0: So Phil, you had said something I thought that was really good off the air. And I I would like you to repeat that now. Well,
2: well, sure. I, I think, uh, that, well, first of all, something like 90, 92% of Americans will tell you they believe in God. And I, I, I assume that, that they're being sincere about that. But, uh, I really believe that, um, as, as Americans, most Americans do not grow up with a, a biblical uh, foundation of the sovereignty of God. Uh, we grow up, um, most of us, you know, when we sort of take in by osmosis various ideas about God. And I really believe, and I don't mean to be cynical about this, but I really believe when most Americans say that they believe in God, they're talking about a God who is far off on the other end of the universe somewhere in heaven and really not very much involved in the day-to-day uh activities that that go on in this world
0: in other words deism
2: in other words they're they're either deists or arminians and uh, arminianism was a a teaching uh that came out of the 17th century that um you know human beings are sovereign in our uh decision of salvation and uh Anyway, we, we either grow up with a deistic idea of, of God or a, an Arminian idea of God that I am sovereign and that uh, I make my decisions and we all make decisions. And basically, we are in charge of this world. We are Human beings are in charge of, uh, of our lives and, and of this world. And even if, we, even if most Americans will say they believe in God, like I said, he's a God who's f- far off and not terribly involved in the day to day activities of this world.
1: Someone, someone described this as moral therapeutic deism. Yes, yeah, that was you know it's a you know that's their that's their whole understanding of God and His world.
2: Yeah. That that was a sociologist named Christian Smith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. moralistic therapeutic deism. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. So we well, we are um, faced with in the very opening chapter of the Bible in Genesis chapter one is a God who absolutely asserts his um, sovereignty. So, so yep. basically our, our, our MO over the next few days is to kind of look at God's sovereignty in different areas. So today we're going to look at God's sovereignty in creation, you know, tomorrow God's sovereignty in providence, etc. So, So as we look at God's sovereignty in creation, let, let's think about the things that God, that God shows himself to be sovereign with just in the creation of the world. I'm looking at Genesis one right now. We see in Genesis 1, chapter 3, And God said, let there be light. Verse 4, And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. Verse 9, And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place. Verse 11, And God said, let the earth sprout. Verse 14, And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens. Verse 20, And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. Verse 24, and God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures. Verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image. So, you know, essentially, uh, eight times here, how did the world come into being? Mm -hmm. By God exercising absolute control with his speech. Yes, Everything that we see in the universe Mm -hmm. exists because God spoke it into being. If that's not sovereignty... Yeah. I, I, what is?
2: Yeah. And that also is the first indication of the power of the Word of God. That, as you're indicating, how did God create? God spoke the universe into being. It's the power of His Word. And that's that's why, among many other implications of that, uh, that's why it's so powerful and, and at the heart of the gospel. As John's Gospel says, the Word became flesh and lived among us. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Um, wow, the 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 power of the Word of God that calls all things into being, and that indicates because the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and Jesus calls us to Himself. My salvation is not my decision either. I, I make a decision in response to Christ. Yeah. yeah. And let's never indicate, let's never pretend that our decisions aren't important. Of course they are. Uh, But I'm a Christian because the Word of God came in the flesh, and He called me to Himself by the power of His Word. Mm -hmm. In the same way that He uh, brought light out of
3: nothingness, Mm -hmm. that that is... also, a picture of what he does in the life of a believer. Amen. We are complete and utter darkness, and into that darkness he speaks light. Well, that, that's mm-hmm. the
0: exact analogy that Paul uses. It's yeah, a new creation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He says, just like God said, "Let there be light" in the beginning. So, in your salvation, he spoke life and light into your heart, and right. then you could see Jesus Christ for the first time. Yep. So, what what yep. else can we see here about God's sovereignty in creation? Maybe while you're thinking well, about that, let me quote one of my favorite verses. Psalm 147, four and five, it says that God determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. There are approximately 250 billion stars just in our galaxy. And according to scientists, there are 2 trillion galaxies. Now, someone did the math on this one time where they said if a computer were observing 10 million stars per second, it would still take 63 million years to count all the stars. God determined all of those stars, and he gave every one of them a name. That's called sovereignty. Mm-hmm. That That's God exercising his majesty and glory in the world.
1: Right. You know what? Oftentimes, uh, yeah, I turn to Job, the book of Job. We're talking about creation. And at the end of the book of Job in chapters 38 through 41, uh, God finally begins to question Job. And uh, he begins by asking, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? And then he begins to ask him, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tell me if you have understanding. The, the point being is he has created these things. He is, uh, you know, we're talking about his awesome power and authority ultimate authority, and, you know, when it's all over, uh, Job has to respond, I know that thou can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be uh, thwarted. You know, yeah. this, the upshot of his authority and power in creation is that he still has authority and power over everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: I think it's also really important at this point to uh, just note that in creation, we're talking about a creation ex nihilo.
1: Not was, nothing.
3: There was nothing. And it's very popular uh, to think of God as subject to or, um, or underneath in some respects uh, nature, time, space, and matter. That God worked with those. That those things uh, are above Him and beyond Him and that He's just a very powerful being that is within a physical universe. Mm-hmm. That's not the God of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, our God Created time, space, and matter. All those things Mm -hmm. exist because he decreed
1: them.
2: Yes.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Amen. And and human consciousness. Or as that little song says, nothing came from nothing. (laughs) Nothing Nothing ever ever could.
2: Um, I'm drawing a blank. I forgot where I was going. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Sorry. Um, No, now I remember. Now I remember. Creation ex nihilo, which means, I mean, it's a Latin phrase that means out of nothing. God God created everything that is out of nothing. That has another implication. That means it's his. It belongs to him. The whole universe belongs to him. You and I belong to him. Our families belong to him. Our nation belongs to him. God didn't create the universe and then just cut it loose and then retire to, you know, go off. And once again, that's deism. But, but God uh, stakes a claim on his universe. Uh, the, the, the great uh, Dutch theologian and, and statesman Abraham Kuyper once said, there is not, there is not one square inch of the universe where Jesus Christ does not
0: stake his claim and say, mine. Amen. Well, you know, I think it's interesting, Jonathan, you mentioned, you know, here Job is having the crisis of his life. God brings up his sovereignty in creation to him. You turn to another famous passage in Scripture in Acts chapter 17, where Paul starts preaching to the Athenians on Mars Hill, passes by that altar to the unknown God. Mm -hmm. And the very first thing he brings up is God's sovereignty in creation. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. I think, I think that's so fascinating that Paul's essential apologetic method was to assert the absolute kingship of, of God the lordship Mm -hmm. of god the mastership of god the ownership of god and and that's one of the things that that separates god from all other gods is all other gods are like tribal gods they're they're gods over these little teeny areas no god is god over all Mm well you've been listening to the gospel for life we're so glad that you joined us today please remember go to reformationboise.com you can find all the details about our upcoming conference Uh, Be Thou My Vision. It's going to be a wonderful time together, September 17th and 18th. We hope to see you next
1: time.